the Asian Cup is up and running, but unlike what the ISL social media will have you believe, the Indian football has been up and running as well. So here we are, as you know, with the iLeague podcast with Injury Time with me, Sandeep Menon. And with me today to discuss Indian football is Arvind Suchindran. Hello, everyone. And joining us on call is, as always, Orko Bhattacharya. Hi, Sandeep. Hi, Arvind. Hey. Auspicious day. Auspicious day, yes. India playing Thailand later today. We were just having discussions about it, uh, you know, off the record. So, anyway, getting back directly into I-League. Let's concentrate on the domestic football. Uh, Orko, coming to you first, there was a meeting of seven clubs to determine the future of uh, I-League and what has been happening and the backlash to the FSDL's decisions. So, uh, could you throw some light on the same? Yeah, so uh, the I-League Private Clubs Association actually formed before the season started. It, uh, it isn't recent, as reports would have you believe. But uh, all the seven clubs didn't actually show up. The four showed up. Uh, Kashmir, uh, by the looks of it, have backed out. They are uh, playing a more safety approach. They are just happy to be in the top division. Lajong, you understand, because uh, the club is in turmoil right now. So, I mean, and the, the owner is the VP of AFF. So, obviously, there's a bit of conflict there. But uh, four clubs were there, led by, you know, the Ranjit Bajaj. I say the because he is essentially the character taking on the powers that be in Indian football today. And, you know, he went on to describe his vision and what he wants, right, more, more better coverage, uh, more coverage rather, and, uh, you know, more subsidy. They've been asking for the same thing since last season. It's not new. But you'll have to also understand that these clubs are the same clubs who pushed for Star as the broadcaster, right? But they should have, in hindsight, realized that, you know, Star was never going to play it fair, especially when one product, uh, you know, of theirs is was already in the market. So they were always going to give it a preferential treatment. So, yeah, I mean, essentially he, he launched the IPC, the Indian Private, uh, I-League Private Clubs Association in Kolkata. But, uh, you know, as uh, the Twitter user pointed out yesterday, this is just the end iteration of the association itself. There have been many more, you know, edition versions before this. So, Orko, touching on the same subject, uh, Richard Hood, one of the you know well-qualified coaches in India who's done a lot with a lot of the youth teams, he tweeted out about, let's say, self-fulfilling prophecy, shall we? It's just that we have been stuck in a limbo, in a sort, and things that have happened 20 years ago seems to continue happening. Uh, if anybody's interested, they can check out his Twitter feed and see what exactly we're talking about, but Orko will just give you a highlight reel of the same. Ironical because I mean, uh, 20 years ago, the same situation played itself out, and uh, at that time, the IPCA was headed by uh, Vijay Malia. Uh, you know, he was the head of the, the private clubs association. So, you know, reading from Novi Kapadia's book, not Triumph and Disasters, the stories of Indian football, it uh, you know, it, he says that the IPSL wanted the NFL to be spaced out over a period of from six five to six months with matches only on weekends to ensure proper TV coverage which would in turn attract sponsors. I mean, this is the same thing that these guys are fighting for 20 years later. 
right uh, as i put it the uh, you know the indian premier football association became the i league private clubs association ifg who held the rights are now reliance previously ifg reliance uh, dd at that time who did little for the, you know propagation of football are now stars nfl has become the i league but it is essentially the same problems repeating itself and uh, you know and richard hit the nail on the head when he said that you can't only come together when you're in trouble right you have to make this an annual practice meet at least once a year you know chalk out plans for improvement what are the plans for next 5 years 10 years 20 years if you're going to do this only when you're in trouble then you're bound to fall into the same situation over and over again Yes, absolutely. When you have teams, uh, countries like Japan planning 99 years into the future, this is where we are. Uh, coming to you, Arvind, just a small thing again Richard mentioned, uh, the clubs association. He's asked a question, wouldn't it be better if you had a representative of the players association or the representatives of uh, others also involved in the meeting? So what is your take on that? Uh, yeah, definitely that's true because you need the players on board with whatever decisions that the AIFF or the private clubs association is taking because at the end of the day the game is played by these guys and not the club owners. Uh, so when you take that into account it's essential that uh, the FPAI which is the Football Players Association of India uh, which is the recognized one that India has though there are many other player associations. Uh, they should have also been invited and along with that they should have a meeting with the broadcasters, the AIFF and everyone sit out together and then chalk out the next plan instead of um, just meeting by themselves whenever they are in trouble. Yes, absolutely. Uh, strength in numbers, I guess. Moving on to actual football matches happening on the field. Uh, there has been quite a lot of matches, so we are just going to pick and choose the main talking points. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Chennai. They are comfortable, 24 points from 11 matches, 3-point lead. Uh, they look like they are trying to... There was a dip in between, seems like they've gotten over it. But, uh, Orko, do you think uh, they are over-reliant on the striker Manzi because he scored two hat-tricks in the last two games? Mm, I would say they're over-reliant. Yes, a big chunk of their play goes through Manzi. But if you look at their other Spaniard contingent, their entire contingent, I think they're all good buys. So I think Nestor, like they, they 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 seem like a more more like a well-rounded team. I actually say their reliance on Manji is less than you know, let's say Bagan's reliance on a Solino day, for example, or a Minerva's reliance on Chencho last season. So um, for me, Chennai City are a very well-rounded team. I don't think they're overly reliant on Manji, but they yes struggle to score goals. When you know he's been injured or not, not top form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a question on Twitter from Mr. Mervin L R, and he has asked if uh, the same question about Manzi because they were quite sloppy in the first 45 minutes Chennai. Uh, do you think they have what it takes to push themselves all the way to the title, considering the gap is now just three points? I think uh, we'll have to look at the match here. Minerva won the title with 35 points from 18 games. And uh, traditionally, the title has been won, you know, uh, by clubs getting anywhere between uh, 30 and you know, 37, 38 points. That was in a 18-game league. This year, we have one more team. So, keep in mind that it's a 20-game league. 
So I will add, uh, let's say on an average, two points per game. So I will say the winning margin this year should come anywhere between 35 points and uh, you know 42 to 45 points. I think Chennai City will have to win. You know, by my calculations, at least four or five to be absolutely sure of the title. I think they can do it. Uh, but if you know, if the I League has shown anything, it's that it is very unpredictable. Anything can happen. Uh, Neroka were really bad in their first two games, but now they're they're in hot, red hot form, right? They've almost come to Chennai's doorstep. So Chennai really can't afford to slip up. But because of the quality that that Spanish contingent provides, I think they'll push push that club over the line. I I you know I'm willing to stick my neck out and say Chennai is going to win this whole thing. Orko believes Chennai is going to win. What do you think, Arvind? Uh, I think it all depends on the game that they play against Neroka, which is on February 11th. Uh, because Chennai has a tough set of fixtures lined up. Next, they play against uh, East Bengal, who are also in the running. And then mm. they have an easy game against Aizwal and then Indian Arrows. But in between them, they play Real Kashmir again, who are also title contenders. So the top five in the I-League are all... Uh, they are so close to each other that it's quite unpredictable right now. But uh, if someone has to win it, it will be Naroka or Chennai City FC. It will, but I believe it will go down to the game between them on Feb 11th. So that is a six-pointer according to you then? Yeah. Now moving on to the other end of the table where we have Indian Arrows. The interesting thing here, they played two games uh, and one of them, they won one, they lost one. So, Rohit Danu has become the youngest goal scorer in Hero I-League history. And we can believe this because, you know, <laughs> he's now, he looks kind of 16. So, <laughs> unlike so, Gauramukhi. Unlike Gauramukhi, who Aravind and I actually interviewed immediately after the match yeah. and were confused that he had more mm. beard than we did. So, anyway, uh, uh, and they also had, so let's talk about two things together with the arrows. One is obviously Danu's goal and the other one is that they played the match against Churchill Brothers, which they lost 1-0, at a mm. practice venue. So, what happened there? That's quite a shameful uh, incident, to be frank, because uh, you don't have telecast of the match, so it's more or less like the AFF thought it can get away by doing anything. And the main reason why they were not allowed to use the main Kalinga Stadium in Bhuvaneshwar is because this stadium was dug up uh, right after the Hockey World Cup. Uh, to relay the grass and stuff. Um, so, uh, the stadium was not, the venue was not ready on time and then uh, they were asking the Odisha government who are the venue partners and as well as the sponsors for Indian Arrows uh, to get the Barabati Stadium in Katak. Bhuvaneshwar and Katak are after all twin cities so they thought that they, they can play the match there. But there was a local state athletics meet happening there and then as a result, the Barabati Stadium in Katak was not available and there was no option of rescheduling this match either because Churchill had made their travel arrangements. It's not just dependent on one team, right? Because Churchill have another game to play uh, within a couple of days and then they have to go and train and all that. Uh, it takes at least one week for a game to be planned. The rescheduling was not an option and that is why they were forced to play in the practice venue uh, where the, the, there, are, there are no stands there. You have to stand and watch the match uh, 
like a lay person. Uh, so this is what happened in the game against uh, Indian Arrows and Churchill, and this also kind of explains why the attendance for Indian Arrows uh, are around the range of two thousand and three thousand. So it's the lowest uh, attendance figures for any uh, team in the in entire Indian football, be it I League or ISL. So uh, such things will definitely not help uh, sponsors or anyone who's interested in following what the development uh, side of the Indian national team is doing. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so, Orko, do you also think the I-League teams uh, have to cop a little bit of the blame there because they are okay with playing in practice grounds and they said fine. Uh, so, what do you think about that? So, uh, Churchill deserves, you know, uh, you know, to be called out for this because Churchill and really neither here nor there. They're not part of the I-League clubs association. <laughs> Uh, they they aren't getting into the ISL by the looks of it, and uh, they seem to be perfectly fine with whatever the AS is doing. And uh, there are a lot of pol political you know inclination behind this because uh, the Churchill's owner and the AS president they are obviously you know more closer than we think they are. And uh, you know as a result, Churchill's not going to complain about anything. Well, now that they've been reinstated twice, in fact. Uh, I don't think there's any complaint coming from them. Yes, absolutely. So let's speak about Rohit Danu now. Hmm. Yeah. So youngest goal scorer. So he broke the record of his own teammate Jitendra Singh uh, by just a month. So Jitendra Singh scored earlier uh, against Shillong Lajong in December to become the youngest uh, goal scorer. Now Danu, uh, who is also part of the same developmental side, he scored against uh, Iswal. And uh, he's 16 years, 5 months and 27 days. Uh, that's how old he is. That's how old the youngest uh, goal scorer in the I-League I is. Um, so if we talk about uh, Gaurav Mukhi, the alleged youngest goal scorer of the ISL, uh, which is a disproved uh, fact right now, uh, he was also around the same age. But you can clearly see uh, what the difference is between these two guys. Uh, one is legitimately 16. So. The other question is the last one uh, about the teams here, which is Shillong Lajong. So, uh, Shillong Lajong has four points from 11 matches. Or for coming to you here, it looks like uh, they are probably going to get relegated. Or maybe maybe there is something in there. But what actually happens to a team when they get relegated now? Considering we are like you know between a rock and a hard place of sort in terms of the structure in Indian football. Relegation this season would mean a drop from the first division to the third division. You know, uh, given that the merger or the hostile takeover, what whichever way you want to put it, happens this year. So I look at Lajong and I've known Lajing Ming for some time now, and uh, I know how the club functions also. The club's primary model right now is only developing players and selling them. The the first team only exists because of the massive popularity it enjoys, not just in Shillong but across the north. You have to understand that before Shillong Ajam played in the I League, uh, there 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 weren't any teams that played in the top division. There were teams which played in the second division, yes, but Shillong Ajam was the first team from the northeast to play in the first division, and they are the you know third longest continuously existing club in the top division after 
Mohan Bar and East Bengal. Uh, they haven't been relegated for almost, I think, seven, eight years. So, a quite popular club, but, you know, relegation might just give Wing the excuse to fold up the first team completely. He might just say that we have only youth products now, we are only going to work on this model, we are only going to develop and sell. Right. And uh, the reason he's going with his, you know, youngsters for the I-League is because there's, there's no resale value on foreigners. You have to understand that 50% of what he's putting out on the, you know, for the foreigners can't be recouped. So, I think, you know, the relegation could mean curtains because you've seen it before. You've seen it in case of Dempo, where they're pulled out and they've not come back. Even uh, Mumbai. We've seen it in, yeah, we've seen it in case of Mumbai. Yeah. We've seen so many cases, so I think relegation from the I-League could really, you know, I think lights out for Shalong. Yes, nurseries of Indian football getting affected by whatever is happening here. Which brings us to an interesting question posed to this Injury Time podcast by Richard Hood. Which is, what would it take to bring back uh, the old clubs, the JCTs, the Mahendras, the Kalyanis, uh, back into the mainstream? And a second one adding to that is considering the budget with which the league has been won. Uh, what is it, 1.5 to 2 crore for Aizwal, somewhere on the same lines maybe for uh, Minerva also. So, uh, would this actually bring them back into the main fold and start competing again? What do you guys think? Uh, for me, I don't think there is a reason for these clubs to come back to the I-League because the league honestly lacks vision and there is no guarantee that this will be the top division uh, next year. So, why would these clubs want to play in, uh, want to even consider joining the top division? Uh, as for the budget, uh, these Teams Aizwal and Minerva, they cracked it somehow. Of course, teams like Mohan Bagan and East Bengal have a higher budget. Uh, so you cannot expect uh, anyone with just uh, 1.5 crore to win the I-League. So it, it, there are other factors which come in, like whether you have bought the right players, whether you have the right coach, the fixtures, how each team rests between the matches. Everything has to be taken into account. So it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone with 1.5 crore can win the I-League. Yes, I am personally with uh, Arvind the same because there is no real carrot dangling because ISL, the top division next year. It's, it is a close division. So, But uh, Orko, you have a, a yes and no answer to this. Am I right? Yeah. No, uh, so I'm going to be slightly you know, pedantic here. When I look at the question, he asked what to bring them back. And I, I agree with Arvind that you know, a long-term plan not just next year's plan, not next year's broadcast plan. How am I going to scale up in five years? How is the league going to scale up in 10 years? How, you know, how is merchandising going to be in 20 years? A long-term plan, a vision. And if you look at all the clubs that have shut down or pulled out, you know, the right for buying or anybody, they have the same thing to say, that there is there's no roadmap. And why should we exist when there's no roadmap? When the, tomorrow's not clear, when our future's not clear. So first thing, Secondly, I think what we fail to realize is that, you know, in all this licensing rush, what happened is that, you know, in our you know, dash to become professional, what happened is they killed off a few PSU clubs. Because you have to understand the PSU clubs today, a lot of PSU clubs run, you know, football in a lot of Asian countries and in Europe, right? Hmm. But they, this whole, you know, putting them to the professionality test at gunpoint. It didn't go down well with them. They 
say what we are spending 5 crore 3 crore whatever it is on top of that you can't expect us to build an academy build a stadium i think yes the clubs have to be made more you know accountable but at what cost why why, why where you know when the psu teams which contribute almost 50% of india's teams in in the top league why did they shut down because essentially you enforced some terrible conditions on them and they didn't really have to oblige for it so they just shut down so not only you know are we looking at a road map to bring these people back uh, we are also looking at you know the ease of doing business you know it's something that our prime minister you know you know hogs on he says he's saying ease of doing business so even ease of doing football business has to be there hmm. today unless that is there the small clubs you know and i've looked at the licensing criteria some of them for you know so second division clubs have some licensing criteria some of them are just plain ridiculous and i can also tell you from my discussion with isl and i league clubs that hmm. the some of licensing criteria only exists on paper that uh, these criteria actually not met but on paper they ticked yeah. so i mean it's a whole hodgepodge it's a mess and uh, it's up to the afs really to clean this mess and it's up to the private leagues association private association to actually back them up to to you know to uh, to to ask for their own set of demands so arvind coming to you now uh, we cover bdfa super division in bangalore here and uh, the two clubs who are going next year for the i league 2 Ozone and South United, both of them have uh, strong backing from corporate sponsors. Yeah. But like uh, Orko just mentioned, the baby clubs and the semi-professional clubs, a lot of them are here. Mm. We know the structure that they are working with. So what do you think is their budget and what can they do to scale up? Because even if they win the Super Division, there is no guarantee they can go even play in the I-League too because even for that there are criteria. So, what they get as prize money from winning the Super Division is half of what their budget is. This is for the C Division I'm talking about. I think the prize money is so poor that uh, these clubs are just existing for the sake of voting, getting the right to vote in the elections. And they are purely run by fashion, uh, purely run by passion, not uh, fashion, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, from all these veterans who used to play in the city before. Uh, so if you talk about the C division, which is the lowest uh, division in uh, Bangalore of uh, what do we call as professional football, uh, they have a budget which ranges from 2 lakhs to maximum they'll spend is 8 lakhs. Uh, and they play, they pay the players who are generally students studying in colleges, they pay them around 500 bucks to come and play. And this person is risking uh, injury, there is no insurance, there is no diet plan, he doesn't even have a coach, uh, regular coach, he's just coming playing for the match. Before the tournament, they would have called for a couple of practice sessions and then said this is the coach, follow him, whatever. So... That is how the C division and B division uh, is run. Even A division, some of the clubs. Yeah, is run in a similar way. And A division has a lot of these uh, public sector units. Mm. Like Arko mentioned just before, uh, all these, uh, most of these uh, public sector units have dropped down uh, the division, dropped down the ranks even in uh, the local scene. You have uh, clubs like uh, uh, income tax. Uh, LRD, which is the Electronic uh, Development Research uh, uh, Establishment of the government. So most of these clubs are in the A division and B division. 
if you talk about the super division, uh, the only uh, public sector unit that was there is uh, CIL. Now, now in the yeah, current yeah. super division is uh, CIL, and even I think they are also getting relegated to the A division. Uh, and HL it's is the back. most is it's the most popular back. public sector unit uh, team that was there in the super division, and they are uh, coming back. I think. Their budget in the supervision would be around uh, 50 lakhs, I think, uh, if someone wants to spend willingly. Uh, there, there were three teams uh, which made their debut in the super division this season. Kickstart, FC Karnataka, uh, Bangalore Dream, uh, FC Bangalore United and uh, Bangalore Dream United. So these three teams, uh, Bangalore United, uh, Dream United went uh, uh, with the mindset that they'll field only youngsters and uh, they're, uh, they did it like the Shillong Lajong way in the I-League. Uh, Bangalore United and uh, Kickstart FC Karnataka, they spent uh, quite an amount, uh, um, but they couldn't still win the league, uh, even with the budget they had. They had around 50 lakh budget. They handed out contracts to players. Uh, the players were mostly I-League second division player from Ozone. They roped yeah. in many of them from Ozone and still they couldn't uh, win the league. So it's uh, more or less run this way in the local scene. And uh, you can imagine how uh, badly structured it is uh, here. When this is the scene in the local division, I don't think there is much improvement that you can expect uh, when you go to the second division, I-League or even the I-League. Yes, absolutely. It's a difficult thing also for the players. I'll just say one small thing before we wind up. There was a player and he's still playing. I think he's playing for Ozone now, Ando Xavier. Yeah. Uh, I think in 2013, he was probably 18, 17, 18. He was playing well in the A Division, Super Division, that level. Uh, he broke his femur with a sound that echoed around the stadium. Literally in two pieces. And then he had to be taken off... Uh, but the thing is, these players are not on contract, they played on daily wages, but his club was good enough. I think it was ADE, I'm not sure. But uh, they were good enough to take care of him. But he didn't really have any rehab and comeback plan, so it was just an automatic thing. Now, at one point, I think he was even at loan at Sporting yeah. in Goa. So, uh, a promising career that has been struck by injury and how there are no structures to take care of them. Just some difficulties for the football players coming up the ranks. You have to explain what this injury is. What is femur? Oh, he broke, basically <laughs> he broke his shin bone in half. Uh, both of them. Uh, that was just a pretty terrible injury to hear. Much less see. So, uh, anyway, I think uh, that is about what we have time for here. I would like to thank uh, Arvind for uh, yeah. coming on the show. Orko, it's always a pleasure. Orko, always a pleasure having you too. Yeah, nice to talk to you guys again. Yeah, so we'll catch up next week uh, by the time hopefully India can do something against Thailand. Thank you so much guys for listening. Please uh, tune into Injury Time IND on Twitter. Our podcast is available on all platforms and it's a banner show on the Hub Hopper podcast list as well. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you guys for coming on the show.